You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Mission Matters Live, a program focused on promoting a spirit of mission among the people of God in the Archdiocese of Chicago. My name is Megan Mio, and I'm the director of the Global Mission Office in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Our engineers this morning are Mike and Brian. And you're listening to WNDZ 750 AM. This is our new day and time. You will hear Mission Matters on the second Wednesday of the month at 8 a.m. Central. This month, we are here with Josh Goralski, founder and CEO of Unlocking Communities, a social enterprise empowering communities in Haiti and beyond with access to eco-friendly products and entrepreneurial opportunities since 2018. And Unlocking Communities does all this while partnering with Catholic institutions such as parishes so that every aspect of their work to unlock economic, social, and environmental change also proclaims the good news and the principles of Catholic social teaching. Now, we had Josh on our Mission Matters program back in the January of 2021, so long ago, two years ago, and I know that he has a lot to share with us about what has been developing since that time. So, I know I'm I'm very interested to hear what you have to share, Josh, and I'm sure our listeners will also be inspired by what you share. So thank you very much for welcoming us, for, for joining thank us. You. Welcome. It's so great to be here, and I love the theme music you have. I must have forgotten about theme music in the last two years, but I remember it being very distinctive. Thank you very much. Yeah, gets you right into the mood for talking about mission. Definitely. Um, awesome. So um, let's start by kind of catching our listeners up. If uh, they remember our last interview, they got to hear about you. Um, if anyone might... remembers the last interview, that's impressive. <laughs> that would be ago. very impressive. Well, I remember it. But regardless, I think it's important our listeners um, put put everything in context. So you are from the Chicagoland area. Is that right? Yes, I've born and raised in Naperville, now a member for the last over 10 years now at Old St. Pat's Catholic Church in Chicago. Can't uh, believe it's been that long. Whoa. Well, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, the pandemic has thrown everything off, all of our sense of time completely off. Definitely, but definitely. yeah, so you are, I mentioned you're the founder and CEO of Unlocking Communities. So you're, um, your foundations are here in the Chicago area and you are a person of faith, you're Catholic. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you came up with the idea, how you developed this Unlocking Communities organization? Yeah, those of you who those of you who might have been here two years ago might have heard this part of the story already. But um, long story short, I w- was grew up in Naperville and went to a parish that was very centric in mission, and they did a lot both locally and internationally. And internationally, they did a lot in Haiti. 
So they really focused on working to alleviate suffering and alleviate poverty and do more relational mission mission through a parish-to-parish twinning program with a parish in the rural mountains of Dushidi, Haiti. And my family got the honor to host that priest when he was in Naperville visiting for the first time. And so on that trip, I got, I got to know him and that stuck in my head. I was only eight years old at the time, but that really stuck in my head and had a deeply profound impact on me. And I continued being interested in Haiti, seeing different work growing up, seeing both the limitations and successes of a parish to parish program. Um, I think there there's a lot we can talk about another time of like the successes parish have when they try to do an international mission and the and the weaknesses because there are organizations that try to do this work full time and have staffs of hundreds of thousands of people and still struggle with the complexities of working internationally, especially in a country as complex as Haiti. So long story short, fast forward to college, I had gotten a grant to take a group of my fellow students to Haiti. And we went to Haiti to study economic development locally, to study what our church had done and what projects hadn't succeeded as much as they did. And out of that trip came uh, kind of what what had been missing. And what had been missing was really self-directed entrepreneurial endeavors, was the community asked us, you know, all these handouts and stuff had been given away was okay. But what we really want is economic opportunities in the form of loans to start and grow businesses. Mm -hmm. And that was really the impetus for unlocking communities because they said two things. One, we aren't given the education for entrepreneurship that we really need Mm -hmm. um, because we drop out of school and can't go to college. Like that had been something from my first trip to Haiti when I was in high school that I picked up on. Every student wanted to go to college but none of them could afford it. And so while high school is great, they didn't learn the business and entrepreneurship skills really necessary to run their own business. And in countries like Haiti, it's forgotten that basically every person in rural Haiti does not work for someone else. They're rather an entrepreneur. If they run a store, if they do side projects for different people, like there's very few people, unless you're employed by a school or kind of an institution, there's there's very little formal employment. A lot of it's the informal employment. And so those ideas all fast forward. We did a pilot project with that church and it was really successful in terms of selling water filters in the community in, in, in that community in Haiti. And I'll talk more about the filters later. But that led me to, in 2018, starting Unlocking Communities. So we'll talk more about Unlocking Communities and exactly what it does here soon. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of layers here, right? So, But this definitely gives us a sense that this has been brewing over many years, so from, from your, your youth even, just your interest in love and, and going to other cultures and meeting yes. people and seeing the gifts that they have and, and what they have yes. to teach us and what, what we can teach them. And um, and it sounds like your education has been so so tied up in this as well. Now you have a master's degree, right? And in what area? Yes, in social justice from Loyola Chicago. A fantastic program, highly recommended. Ah, okay. Very hands on. It sounds like. Yes, um, very hands on. It's very much very self directed too for people who know kind of what their mission material might be to pursue that as well. Good to know. Okay. A uh, little ad for Loyola Chicago. Um, okay, so now you your primary focus for unlocking communities is Haiti. That's uh, that's where your um, 
a lot of your your background experience has been with, although I know you've traveled all over the world, and maybe we'll hear more about that later. Um, but so, yeah, so I, I mentioned at the top, you know, kind of a basic description of Unlocking Communities, which maybe for those who are not familiar could be a little bit mysterious. So tell us a little bit more then about, um, maybe let's say, tell us what Unlocking Communities is now, and then we can sort of talk about um, the progress that you've made in Haiti uh, since 2018. Yeah, thank, thank you so much for that. Our, our solution really hones around equipping entrepreneurs with that education, which I mentioned was a challenge, and funding, and then like tools such as product designs to, to sell sustainable products that unlock economic, social, and environmental transformation. So to break that down, it's, it's that education, which we discussed and was a challenge. The second part is that funding mm. and access to technologies. One of the challenges that group in Haiti told me about was they needed clean water, but they did not know of any water filters being sold. They've seen a few, but there was no water filter for sale. If there was one for sale, a number of people would have bought in one already. And so it wasn't necessarily that they couldn't always afford one. It was that they just couldn't that they didn't have access to any in the local markets. And for so so many products that are life-improving products, the technologies already exist. Like I'm a big proponent that we we know a lot of the solutions to solving a lot of these poverty-related problems, energy-efficient cook stoves, filters, solar-powered lights, to the point where if a Haitian family purchases a water filtration system and a clean burning stove, that will save them around $300 a year. You might think they might not even have $300 a year, but that's probably, like, conservatively speaking, a fourth of their income for our customers. So putting a fourth of your income back in your pockets is an extremely beneficial and extremely impactful in an accelerating way tool that can then be leveraged to send your kids to school, to invest in other businesses, to put a, plant a few more crops that year. And then that yields more money, which can then be reinvested. And so the cycle of investment continues. Now, Not I... to mention that money is respent locally. Oh, so, the, so that is kind of at the core in locking communities. We work deeply with parishes. We are 100% like parish-based and work with local parishes all over Haiti and soon in other countries, we'll talk about that later, mm-hmm. to really identify from the pastor's perspective the top top potential people in that community who mm-hmm. have, haven't had the opportunities to receive entrepreneurial training mm-hmm. and are interested in that. And then we leverage the parish networks to sell those water filtration systems, which will soon be 100% locally made in Haiti. We are actively constructing the factory in Haiti right now. And then energy efficient cook stoves as well. Yeah. And with with a new program which leverages some of the climate funding available from corporations, we will be able to sell both of those products to people for 75% less than we were selling them for, for around $25, which is an incredible price for two products that can really transform their lives. Yeah. Yeah. What I wanted to do was just to clarify uh, how it is that families might save money by having the the filtration system. So if they have this the, the ability to get water from uh, the uh, river or a nearby water source and have it filtered through this, they don't have to go out and buy bottles of water or bags of water or you know go Correct. to to other vendors and spend money on smaller amounts of water. They can get it and have it filtered in their own home enough for a family of whatever, four or five or something. 
Correct. Then, there are some communities that lack access to water completely, but a lot of people in Haiti have access to some type of water semi-locally that, you know, it's not necessarily clean water, but it's water. And and cleaning that source would be really cost prohibitive. So they're able to at least take that water, even do a lot of rainwater harvesting as well, and take that water mm. and put it into the filter and then get clean water. Right. On the okay. stove side too, as well, um, those families normally just cook over an open campfire. So they're cooking over an open campfire, which is really bad for your health and costs a lot of money because you're using like, right now the average is around 14 to 15 pounds of charcoal a day. So leveraging leveraging how much weight and charcoal is being used, um, we are able to cut that down by like 70%. And so them using five pounds of charcoal a day or less instead of 15 pounds results in a big economic savings. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, now we're, we're running out of time in this segment. So I want you to give us, give us the, the uh, description of so far since 2018 when you founded uh, Unlocking Communities, what has the impact been in Haiti? Yeah, great. So we have now impacted over 6,000 families, and that is 6,000 families who have actively made the decision to purchase a water filter or clean burning stove. And that is despite all the political instability that you might have heard about that's been going on in Haiti, and despite having at times product shortages due to that. And so those families have have invested over $30, $35 normally to purchase one of these systems on a loan. And that loan is really given in solidarity to their to their neighbor, to their neighbors or and extended by the entrepreneurs in trust that they'll pay it back. So really that loan is given out. And so those six thousand families now averaging over thirty thousand people have a lifetime supply source of of clean water and soon will also have an energy efficient way to cook too. That's amazing. And, and then there are these folks who have been trained to to be selling to their neighbors, to be going out into their Correct. community, right? We've How also many- trained over 300 entrepreneurs, and those entrepreneurs report having higher levels of business training skills. And we've given out over $50,000 in loans to them to start other types of businesses. So recognizing that, you know, selling water filters and stoves isn't the end. And all be all, there's people who want to grow their farms. And so we've given out and administered over $50,000 to help make farming in Haiti more sustainable and more profitable for the local farmers. Wow. Well, all right. So that gives us a nice picture of... uh at least some. I know there's probably even a lot more that you could say of the work of Unlocking Communities in Haiti, but we'll hear more about it right after this break. So we'll be right back to continue our conversation about Unlocking Communities around the world. Please stay tuned. Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Chicago is looking for mission-driven individuals who want to help make a positive difference in the lives of people in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Be part of a diverse, talented team of professionals in the largest human services organization in the Midwest. 
We are dedicated to helping people chart a more stable, happier future for themselves, and we accompany anyone in need, regardless of faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. Competitive salaries and generous benefits add to the satisfaction you'll have every day knowing that you're helping us amplify our impact in Chicago. To see our list of employment opportunities, visit catholiccharities.net. say how can you spend your day with three-year-olds seeing the changes that they go through and just the journey and how they grow this is a very rewarding job even though at the end of the day we're not the highest paid people on earth and when I have a parent contact me and say my child loves school that to me I'm setting that foundation for their love of learning because really you are changing lives you are molding lives shape the next generation of leaders teach Apply today at artchicago.org slash schooljobs. Do you have an old bicycle that's not being used? Consider donating it to Catholic Charities Veterans Bike Project of Lake County. Skilled volunteers are refurbishing bicycles to make them safe and ready to be used by veterans to get to and from their new places of work. We also gratefully accept financial contributions that are used to purchase bike helmets and other safety accessories. Our veterans have faithfully served the United States, and now it is our privilege to serve them. For more information on the Veterans Bike Project of Lake County, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. Welcome back to Mission Matters Live. I am Megan Mio, Director of the Global Mission Office, and I'm here with Josh Goralski, the founder and CEO of Unlocking Communities, a social enterprise that empowers communities with access to eco-friendly products and entrepreneurial opportunities. Before the break, we were talking about um, some of the kind of the, the basic structure, the basic um, operations of Unlocking Communities, and in your primary uh, site, which right now is in Haiti. And we were hearing about the impact that's that, that we've, has already been made um, with those communities uh, and those who've become entrepreneurs or become more experienced or, you know, uh, trained entrepreneurs in Haiti. Um and, and again, since since the founding of Unlocking Communities in 2018, so now it's been, I don't know, yeah, what, five years? <laughs> Almost five years? Oh, Josh, we can't hear you. I think you might be muted. Yeah. Yeah, you are. I can't believe five years of impact will happen this year. Can you believe it? you come a long way. And now you mentioned that, that in 2018, this was before... Um, at least definitely before the earthquake that took place in Haiti in 2021, right? August of 21. And um, yeah. so things definitely have been changing in Haiti. Um, but mm -hmm. the other thing is that Unlocking Communities has been growing. The last thing I wanted to ask you for the break, 
but um, now is the time, I think, is that you've expanded your staff, too, with Unlocking mm-hmm. Communities, correct? Yes, yeah, we have three full-time staff in Haiti now and an additional contractor as well as as well as a few additional contractors now in Haiti. Every time I think about it, we've hired someone else in Haiti <laughs> to help our team grow. And then as we open the factory this year, we'll be hiring an additional 25 people to work at the factory. So that'll be really exciting. The factory will produce 350,000 water filters in the next five years. I feel like that is a huge step. I think that was a goal you had from the very beginning to try to have these products be constructed and the materials even, everything to be as local as possible, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah, as local as possible has always been our goal from the beginning, just because of trust and also because of the political instability situation. I was in Haiti when the president was assassinated a few years back. And also, you know, during 2018, there was a gas shortage and protests that let, were because of the recent um, corrupt, uh, recent governmental challenges that they had paying their gas bill, and those led to protests as well. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so the more local you can have it, the way that way communities can really support one another. Communities, I, I, as I understand it, I've heard from folks who are more familiar with Haiti than myself, you know, that people still, I mean, and, and you said it too, people still have to live. They still have to, even if the government may be going through a lot or there may be some infrastructure issues, the people find a way. Um, they're very industrious. They're excellent entrepreneurs. They, they, many of them, as you said too, self-employed. Um, and so mm-hmm. to have these skills really just empowers folks then to find all sorts of solutions. For so much of Haiti, I mean, life has to go on on a daily basis. You have to drink clean water. You have to cook. You have to find food each day and every day. I mean, what happens in the capital city with gang violence really doesn't impact people on a daily basis, other other than it Outside. makes things more expensive because the capital city is rendered harder to do business in. Right. You can't pass through. You can't easily mm-hmm. um, get products in and out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it hampers any tourism efforts or local sustainable development efforts as well. Yeah, right. Anything that needs to be kind of moved around. I mean, yeah, definitely. I know that there's been um, efforts, you know, to to really warn people not to travel to Haiti at this point. And so, um, yeah, this is an opportunity then for the the people really, if, Mm -hmm. if anything can be done on a local basis. Yeah, I mean, and our model goes be... on without me present there. So I yeah. think that's another big focus yeah. area is that local development and local ownership ensures that no matter what happens externally or foreigners cannot get into a country, that local businesses can still happen, right? There'll be challenges, but they're not challenges that the local people aren't used to. They've been used to that in all their other businesses. And, you know, for the most part, everyone in Haiti has been able to still eat. There are food growing food crises in certain parts of the country, but, you know, a whole population has been able to eat even without the capital city. And for example, one of the bottled water companies recently had to close down when there was no fuel in the country and they couldn't make any bottled water. And so we had a huge demand for our filters then because no one had access to water unless you had an in-home filter. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, I mean, it's it's a more, more uh, stable uh, a, a source. Yeah. And actually, that's kind of what I wanted to get to as well in this segment is to talk about the environmental impact. Um, I mentioned, of course, both products, the water filtration and the um, stove are eco-friendly. And uh, as much as possible, those products are made with eco-friendly um, 
sources. And so um, just wanted to just kind of talk about the, the environmental impact. And then also, I understand um, carbon credits have become a, a thing for unlocking communities too. So tell us about that. Most people say carbon credits, what? Like I hear that word mentioned or I see offsets. So a few a few layers to this is all of our work you've probably picked up by now is multi-layered. So the first layer is, is that trees. Haiti is over 95% deforested and there's no big like charcoal mines. All the charcoal right now really comes from burning tree, from cutting trees down. Okay. And so that's just makes Haiti more and more deforested. And eventually there's gonna be no trees left in the country because of the needs for charcoal. So really focusing on um, moving people away from using as much charcoal is key to helping the trees stay longer and it helps the environment, it helps runoff, it helps landslides from happening. And then a second layer that's maybe less thought about is plastic pollution. In countries like Haiti, there are not recycling systems on large levels. There are some small initiatives and I've read different statistics based on different parts of the developing world that somewhere between 50 and 75% of the world's ocean plastics is it comes from the developing countries. It comes from countries like Haiti that do not have a good way to cut it off. And so then when it rains or people don't have a way to dispose of their plastic, they have to either burn it or they have to toss it down a lance, down a hill or somewhere and eventually it ends up in a water stream which eventually flows to the ocean. So, so much of the world's plastic pollution comes from that. And so if we can get and people using not bottled water, i.e. using a locally made water filter that's 100% biodegradable, that water filter and, and long lasting will, will eliminate the amount of bagged water and bottled water that is produced. And so then carbon credits, those of you who have flown on an airline or purchased something online, you might have seen like offset your purchase by planting trees offset your purchase by maybe even contributing to a stove project. So you can offset your purchases in a lot of ways. That is basically helping ensure that somewhere around the world, someone is 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 doing a project that eliminates emissions from the air mm-hmm. to make up for the emissions that your purchase or your flight made. Flying is kind of one of the easier examples for it. And so with all those individual actions and then with companies wanting to say that they're carbon neutral, it's not that companies are going to completely stop polluting. Yeah. It's that they're going to find ways to buy carbon offsets to to account for the carbon that they need to emit into the air. But they still want to say that they're doing their part. Yeah. And some people will say, well, isn't this just sidestepping the issue? And to a certain point, they are right. But what has to be acknowledged is that those projects that that people in the developing world, as I mentioned with the ocean plastic problem, have no way, have no means not to stop polluting unless they're help given access to one of these products like clean learning stoves or water filtration systems. Mm-hmm. So that is why it's so important to have access to these products mm-hmm. and for them to use the products because and for the carbon credits to help. So the carbon credits then that money that companies give or individuals give allow us to subsidize the price. So next year we're going to be subsidizing the price of the filter, bringing it down and the stove from like a combined price of like $75 to about $25. 
And that price point now will eliminate the number one barrier that we have to sell in Haiti is that the price is too expensive. And so um, while we still have had tremendous success selling in Haiti, we can grow by five to 10x with this new price point because there's just so many more customers who it's now affordable for them to purchase the filter. Totally. And now we just have a minute or two before we're going to take the next break. But could you say quickly why it's so important that you do sell these products to folks that there is a cost involved? So there's a great example. We just finished a a study of over 1,700 customers that purchased our products. And two years later, Megan, Mm -hmm. 98% of those people are still using the products. Most of the 2% that aren't, it's because it broke and we, we need to do a better job at helping them know how to get a replacement filter when it breaks. Um, for a special price, we didn't have that in place yet. But 98% is higher than every other like initiative, especially when you give things away. If you give something away, people aren't going to use it. If they can't figure it out or if something happens to it, they're not going to take the initiative to fix it right. or to figure out what's wrong with it. Mm-hmm. So really having them purchase it not only gives them own ownership and recognizes that they they have dignity as a person and that their that dignity is worth something all over the world we all pay for water to a certain extent right like we might not pay quite as much but that's where it's really important for us to help find really low cost solutions but not necessarily free solutions because free solutions just perpetuate that like that that because they're poor, they deserve things for free, or that like it's but it doesn't foster sustainability. So yeah, that sustainability element is so key for us. Yeah, yeah, that just makes so much sense. I really wanted our listeners to hear that. Um, that that that's a, a it's a very important logic around human dignity. Um, but yes, also it's, it's the fundamental Catholic social teaching tenets we all have. Yes, and too. care for the earth, care for creation. So mm-hmm. it was really great to hear about um, the yeah, efforts. I mean, people in Haiti talk like, about all the time that they want to cut down the amount of plastic that's eliminated or they hate burning their plastic bottles, but they're not given another option. And so this access to products is really key. It's what's called last mile distribution or last mile, last mile access. And, and okay. these technologies exist. It's not that we need to spend time inventing new things. We just need to help get, get these products into communities get that to need people. them. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, it's time for our next break. Um, but we'll be back to dis- continue our discussion with Josh and Unlocking Communities. Stay tuned. Catholic Charities Refugee Resettlement Program has been especially busy this year, assisting individuals and families who have fled dangerous situations in their homeland, including Afghanistan and the Ukraine. The Refugee Resettlement Team helps with everything they need to start to rebuild their lives in a new country, including housing, employment, clothing, food, English classes, and referrals for legal and immigration services. The refugees are tremendously grateful for the compassion and practical help they're receiving, and they're giving back and helping each other plan for a brighter, safer future. Volunteer opportunities are currently available for those who would like to be family mentors and tutors 
so children and adults can practice English. To learn more about these rewarding opportunities, call 312-655-7096. That's 312-655-7096. I'm a seminarian. The church needs compassionate and well-trained priests to help guide each of us through life. What inspires me, what draws me always to the priesthood is continue to see priests be a beacon of hope for other people. You can play a part in the education of these young men as they prepare for a life of service to others. I want to be that beacon of hope too and it, it sets my heart on fire. To support our seminarians, make your gift at archchicago.org slash seminarianfund or call 312-534-7959. The Cemetery Ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Mission Matters Live. I am Megan Mio, Director of the Global Mission Office in the Archdiocese of Chicago. You're listening to WNDZ 750 AM. And I'm here with Josh Goralski, the founder and CEO of Unlocking Communities, which empowers communities with access to eco-friendly products and entrepreneurial opportunities. Now, before the break, we were talking with uh, Josh about how Unlocking Communities um, has been working since 2018 and primarily in Haiti and um, making an impact on the economic, social, and environmental aspects uh, of, the, of this, the areas where you're working. Um, we were specifically talking about the environmental impact um, and then also a little bit the economic uh, in terms of... Um, the folks who uh, may help fund the work that you're doing so that communities can afford the products that you're, that you're offering in terms of the um, water filtration in the stove. Now, mm -hmm. um, but I want us also to talk about the future and some, some new opportunities, new things that have taken place over this 
past year. And I understand that Unlocking Communities has been making a difference in war-torn Ukraine, of all places, a place where people need the help. Um, But I definitely want to learn more about that. So tell us what you have been doing in Ukraine. Yeah, so this really stemmed out of a really blessed opportunity I had to visit Ukraine about four or five years ago when I was with the YMCA prior to starting Unlocking Communities and to see the work the YMCA was doing locally um, through Christian churches and communities. And then the person who was our the contact there at the YMCA of Ukraine was in the U.S. and she was really touched by the work I was starting to do in Haiti. So about a year later, she came to see the work in Haiti and Ernst so got to know her really well on that trip. Okay. And so when the war broke out in Ukraine in, or in January in early 2022, I was actually in Haiti at the time and I had a conversation with our team in Haiti and said to them, like, do you want us to respond or how how could, should, should we consider responding? Um, at the, in the first days of war, people don't think about it, but as the news has made prevalent over the last few months, water access to water filtration systems becomes really important as as war unfortunately destroys a lot of infrastructure in countries. And then also people are on the move. And additionally, a lot of Ukraine did not have clean water to begin. And so one pillar of our work that's more of a kind of a a supplemental program is when we have unique connections that um, where the big organizations around the world unfortunately can't respond and where we can get into the hardest reach places we will Mm -hmm. through our community needs response programming. And we did that in Haiti impacting over 75,000 people during the 2022 earthquakes. Mm. And then now we've impacted over 125,000 people in Ukraine through through distributing water filtration systems and other items to get through the harsh winter months. We are sending next week, hopefully, about a million dollars worth of items over from Ukraine, over to Ukraine to help them and help respond. And they, and I, I just had the honor that last week actually getting to meet one of the volunteers from Ukraine who's, who's distributing the items. Yeah. And they told me about how they were taking them to this town and 10 minutes before they were taking them to this site, a bomb went off in that town. And so like how blessed they were not to be have been hit, but how much right after that, the, everyone in the town really especially needed the, the supplies they were bringing more than ever before. So it's been really impactful. I've had the honor to go over to Poland and meet with the team three times in the last year. And actually, I am hosting um, our point of contact next week from Ukraine, and she's doing an event at Old St. Pat's as well okay. to talk about her experiences. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, we'll make sure to to advertise that um, through our Facebook page. <laughs> Don't let me forget. Um, but okay, so so you had the contact. So you, I mean, you knew somebody who would be able to f- to find volunteers on the ground to distribute. Basically, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah. I mean, it's been a hundred percent volunteer distribution now to impact one hundred fifty thousand people, which which is very unique. And we we've always said that we will respond if we have volunteers or unique contacts in the area that prohibit us from doing so. Just like in Haiti, we were able to mobilize a response quicker than a lot of the big organizations to penetrate into more rural areas. So about three or four weeks after war started, I was in Poland delivering filters to the team to then be transported into Ukraine. And at that time, Warsaw had more Ukrainians living in it than Polish people living in it, which was quite an interesting sight to see too. 
my goodness. Yeah, people know people. Um, and so those are all products that were either constructed or um, that that are through the the other the normal your normal source for those products, right? That through. Um, it's not always through a normal source because the normal source is these locally made, hundred percent kind of biodegradable filters, and those unfortunately take up more space and aren't as kind of aren't are more fragile to transport into harsh conditions. Okay. So our, our our great partners at LifeStraw have donated most of the filters and another organization, Blind to Water. And we've leveraged those filters to take over and then acquired more aid along the way too to sure. take to take to the YMCA and respond not just with water but other hygiene related products sure. now now with a lot of flashlights and winter wear wow. um because a lot of Ukraine doesn't have electricity either. And unlocking communities is really rooted in recognizing the human dignity and responding with the connections we have to the best that we can, no matter if it's through water or through some other connection that we have. So it's due to the generosity of so many people that we've been able to respond. Yeah. Yeah, but it just goes to show the strength of our communities, of our relationships. Um, and I think you're right, uh, or you know, you're, you are right. But I mean, I want to uh, hold up or highlight that comment you made about you know sometimes a smaller organization knows how to get deeper um, out into the communities that may be disconnected, may not have um, the access to the big community, uh, big uh, organizations, big uh, institutions. So I mean, um, that is so much about what mission's about, Megan. And you, we talk a lot, you and I have talked a lot about what mission is about. Like that is yeah. so much about what mission is about and what smaller missionary organizations can do is to respond quicker and more efficient. And given that, you know, we had so many donors who have invested in a staff for us, have invested in building, allowing us to build those relationships, mm -hmm. you know, it was able to happen. And it's really due to the generosity of all the donors who've supported our work in Haiti and supported our organization in general in the last few years that we've been able, we were able to respond so quickly in Ukraine, in addition to some additional fundraising we did. But primarily, it was prior to that, just having built the infrastructure needed to do so. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I also really think it speaks to, you know, mission in one place is, is really about mission anywhere. Um, and people, I think our listeners might be quite surprised to hear that people in one mission community, some, you know, developing nation like Haiti or anywhere else, you know, when they hear the plight of people in another part of the world, they are impacted too. They know that they know what it's like to suffer like any of us. And so we all have a sense of, of responsibility uh, and, and a sense of um, wanting to do our part um, with uh, mission and with supporting one another mm -hmm. in a crisis. So that's Definitely. wonderful. They are, you know, they're quicker to respond. Like Ernso and our team in Haiti, I remember talking to him about this and he, they did not hesitate. They did not say like, will this take, take away efforts in Haiti? Will this like do anything? They were like, respond and respond quickly. Awesome. That's really great. Yeah, I guess I would just say finally then, um, does this give you kind of a new idea of the vision for unlocking communities? Has this developed what you're thinking going forward? It's expanded. Great question, and I hope we after the next break we'll have more time to talk about this. Yeah. It it does and it didn't. We were already seeding the kind of 
seeds that we were going to be international for a lot of reasons. One is for sustainability of our own organization is that, you know, it's it's hard to be sustainable when you're only in a country like Haiti, but to be diversified and there's a need, right? The most important part is there's a need globally. And so there's over 80 countries in the world that really need solutions like ours yeah. on their like fundamental water and stove level access. There's a lot of other communities, including in the United States, that need the economic development entrepreneurship training models as well. And, and even water, it's, it's I've, I've learned about one of the organizations doing a lot of water work in the US here recently. Um, but look, going back, it, it does and it doesn't. Like We're not going to be an organization that responds to every disaster around the world. We unfortunately don't have the manpower or the time to do that. But what we will do is when we're working in communities that are affected by disasters, we will respond. So we are preparing a response right now as cholera has continued to rage on in Haiti as well. We've we are doing a response to ensure that hand sanitizer and other equipment gets to the hospitals and rural clinics and all of the communities that need it. And additionally, the 300 entrepreneurs that work for us have been doing daily education sessions for communities on cholera prevention as well. Wow. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's a development. So, okay, well, it's time for our last break now. We'll be back to conclude our discussion about unlocking communities around the world with Josh Goralski. Stay tuned. Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who, despite the unprecedented challenges of the past two years, continue to excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, to the dedicated WIC employees who have remained open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that meals are available for those experiencing hunger. To our service coordinators and our professional counselors who continue their vital work in innovative ways. To our food pantry staff and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do and we salute you. Welcome back. Es fabuloso verlos. Dobrze jest znowu być razem. It's good to be together again. After so many months apart, pandemic capacity limits have been lifted, and we want to welcome everyone back to church. We can all pray together again. And listen as our choirs lift their voices in song. 
We've been together in spirit. And now when you are ready, our doors are open wide. Nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par. Nasze drzwi są otwarte. And we're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass. Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible, free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. Welcome back to Mission Matters Live. I am Megan Mio, Director of the Global Mission Office, and I'm here with Josh Goralski, the founder and CEO of Unlocking Communities. And we've been talking this past uh, about 45 minutes about how Unlocking Communities has made a huge impact in Haiti. And now we've also heard that Unlocking Communities has been offering help to folks in Ukraine as well, those who are in a crisis situation. Um, and I know from my conversations with Josh that it has always been your dream to expand and have impact in wider and wider uh, circumstances and contexts. Um, so I was hoping that we could talk in this last segment a little bit about what some of your future plans are. Um, and I know we talked briefly that you have some hopes and you're beginning to do some thinking and talking with folks in Kenya. Can you tell us about what yeah. your plans are? Yeah, thank you, Megan. And thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be back this year on your on your show. And thank you to the team at the Archdiocese of Chicago for putting it on. And thanks for that jazzy mission music too. I now have it stuck in my head for the rest of the day, definitely. Sure. Um, and so, you know, our plans in, 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 in Kenya really started by local organizations as I would encounter and just be in conversation with people around the world. They'd be like, can you come bring this model here? And I, I would, in my innocence, ask, like, don't you have something like this there? And they're like, no, we still need it. And I think that for myself was eye-opening. I had been kind of under assumption that, you know, Haiti had been kind of looked over and this there was still a need, but the need, need wasn't as simple as we had kind of come up with the solution to make it. And so, you know, our fundamental program abroad will look very similar to what it is in Haiti. It will start with a team entering into community through churches of all denominations and cultivating local entrepreneurs through those churches and giving them the opportunity to sell water filtration systems, energy efficient cookstoves, or other products which are needed in those communities okay. in, in their neighborhoods and around the countries. 
So um, that is fundamentally what we're going to do. We've been talking to a great lady named Violet who works in, who lives and works in Kibera with her family. And she will, she's probably going to be one of our first employees there um, when, when we, we secure the funding to start. And so um, I was talking with one of our colleagues earlier today, and I really hope we will be able to be in two new countries by the end of this year. So stay tuned to our social media, our website for more information on that. And I think it's more than just to have an impact around the world. It's, it's to me, it's, it's more fundamental than that. It's to it's that we have an obligation to countries like Haiti. And unfortunately, due to the complexities of NGO funding and things like that, it's a lot easier to be diversified and then to ensure you can continue to work in market in countries like Haiti, even when times are as challenging as they are now. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the other thing that's really key about how you operate too is that you you did so much work to to kind of talk with people, investigate, and get local leaders to help you identify the best approach to really engage members of the community themselves in this process, not just your staff, which of course is very important, but that this is something people really do want, would respond well to, would want to take up on their own. And so moving into a new context, you got to kind of do all that work all over again, even though you have a good um, sort of basic you know, plan, it still needs to be adapted to a new context. Is, would you say that's true? Definitely. But I, I think one of the things that you hit on to a certain extent is that it's rooted in community organizing, right? Like our model is just community organizing principles with an entrepreneurship wrap over them and then product access. So it's yeah. it's community organizing plus some entrepreneurship training, plus introduction of locally made products that might not have been tried in that context before. So it's those three simple pillars, and then it's adapted to the community. So it's like we're we're like giving them the framework to a house that then they customize and model to make sure it fits their culture and context. Mm -hmm. I was going to add one more layer to the onion. Which is that it's all wrapped. I love it. I always love more layers to the onion. My onions are very. We've been talking about a lot of layers here, but it's all wrapped in in something you know like Catholic social teaching too, and that those values are are infused throughout. But but that 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 is really kind of helping you see. Um, we need to preserve dignity. We need to protect the earth. We need to be considering um, the the importance of people being able to to um, support their own families and take care of themselves. Um, and, and being able to work together. So um, I think that that uh, also just kind of points uh, you in that direction, too. I mean, it certainly, I'm sure, is, is part of the reason why you reached out in the Ukraine, too. Yes. If I may modify, I mean, those sure. pillars I mentioned all have to be rooted on, like, solid local institutions, right? Because if there's not solid local church, i.e. churches are the most stable institutions in most of these parts of the world, if they're not rooted in those solid institutions, then you can't put the pillars off, right? You can't build a house on not firm ground or else it will just kind of crumble underneath itself. And so really finding those community leaders who are there and passionate about staying in those churches, we've had extensive conversations with the Jesuit network in Kenya and are excited to hopefully be working with them as well. Wow, awesome. Okay, now, um, I don't want us to, to run out of time on this. So remind us then how people can learn more about Unlocking Communities. Where can they yes. find you? Yes, thank you so much for this. You can go to our website, unlockingcommunities, all one word, dot org. Again, unlockingcommunities.org. You can look us up on Facebook, Instagram, 
Twitter. I think we're on Twitter once in a while. Um, and you can also support our work. And I want to emphasize that no small donation is underscored. I know we've been talking about a lot of big themes and contexts, but as I referenced with Ukraine, if it wouldn't have been for the individual donors, we would not have been able to do this work. Um, and respond yeah. so and quickly. so that that's just yeah. so vitally important to us. So please make sure to um, prayerfully consider it if you're able and interested to support our work on lockingcommunities.org. You can also sign up for our once a month email where I kind of write what's going on in the world once a month. And you can also um, donate on our website and read more about our awesome team. Um, unfortunately, our country director, Ernso from Haiti, had some internet difficulties, so he wasn't able to join today. But um, definitely check out our wonderful team. Yeah, he was supposed to join us today, but yeah, you know, technology. Um, well, with our last just a few minutes, three minutes more, I want to ask you, Josh, you know, we, we've talked about Catholic social teaching. We've been talking about care for the earth, human dignity. Um, and at the very beginning of the show, I, I mentioned, you know, it's your faith that has driven you, I think, to do so much of this. I kind of wanted as a concluding thought here, you know, you have, you are driven. <laughs> you are passionate about this. I, I know this from from our conversations. And I just wanted you to, to have a few, to be able to say a few words about what keeps you energized, what keeps you excited about continuing to expand and grow. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today again. Um, I think what keeps me energized and excited to grow is the faith of the Haitian people. And that like people shouldn't need to be this resilient, but they are. And that the Haitians' deep dedication to faith and to bettering their country too, right? And I think I think I really have to anchor myself in that because there are a lot of days when the situation in Haiti and things that are external circumstances, the global situations have um, make it challenging. But if, if you know, holding on to that faith and holding on to that, this is God's call for me, um, you know, to respond in this holistic way that really recognizes people's dignity and mobilizes economic development opportunities. Um, to to hopefully in the next five years sell over 1.6 million water filters is incredible and in rapid scale and that like missions can look in so many different ways and that our our mission is to really unlock this economic opportunity for communities but doing it through a faith-centric lens is so important to me and so I'm humbled to have the opportunity to do it. Yeah I think our faith keeps us hopeful it keeps us, uh, and I think really loving God's people, like you say, it's the it's the faith of the Haitian people that really keeps you going too. That that we we believe God is is acting and living in, in the world today, um, and so all things are possible. You know, we we believe that, and so even though there seem to be un, insurmountable challenges, um, that our faith in the mission continues. So. Well, definitely, most you. definitely, yes, Great. yes. Our faith in the mission and of the stability of people in Haiti to really change the country because they're the only ones who can. So this Holy Spirit is is very strong yes. amongst those people. Wonderful. So thank you so much for joining us, Josh, and for sharing your enthusiastic approach to bringing about change and hope among mission communities, especially in Haiti, Ukraine, and soon Kenya. We continue to support your efforts in prayer and by sharing this good news with one another. May the ripple effect of this hopeful mission reach the ends of the earth. And thank you for listening. Remember, always be on mission.
Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.